Welcome to another thrilling, exciting episode of On The Spectrum Podcast. I am Nick. I'm Steve. And as always, when we start an episode, uh, I always like to give a little bit of a, I don't know, warning, uh, something up at the very beginning of it of me and Steven are not experts in anything whatsoever. We are just two human beings who are on the autism spectrum. And we're going to talk about issues not only that concern autism spectrum, that, but also concern us. Now, during the podcast, you may hear some language that you find offensive. That's okay. If you do find it offensive, comment, let us know. Wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a comment to us. We also have a Facebook page, a TikTok, and an Instagram account. You can always leave us a message with one of those. If there's something you like, if there's something you dislike, if there's a topic you want us to cover, and or if you just want to say, hey, y'all, good job. Whatever you want to do, excellent. And that's my early warning. Nice. So today we're going to talk about autism as it's represented in the media. So that means like film, television, um, other forms of media. Uh, so like, I don't know, documentary, magazines, anything. So any anywhere that autistic people are represented in media, mostly film and television, though. Mostly, mostly. So with that being our topic for today, <clears throat> let me ask you. Yeah. What does it mean to you? Representation? Just as the general concept of representation, what does that mean for you? Um, I think the term is kind of amorphous, in my opinion, because like if you could say, well, we want autistic representation in television or talk about autistic representation. But what does that mean exactly? And the reason I say it's amorphous is I think it has different meanings to different people, especially with mm -hmm. something like autism spectrum disorder, because um, there's a lot of different. There's a lot of different ways you can fall on the autism spectrum and different autistic traits and things you might have. And so when you portray a character as being autistic or somebody who's autistic is playing a character who's autistic, that might not rep be representative of everybody who's on the spectrum. So that's why to me, it's kind of like, I don't know, what do you mean by representation? It's the same thing. Like if you have a character on TV who's black, they don't represent every black person, but right. it's just having a person who is black. So that's kind of the thing I find interesting about the conversation like about to tokenism kind of. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of thing I find interesting about the idea and talking about representation in media, <clears throat> regardless of what kind of media it is, or just representation in our society about any given population, right? Because I don't think it's possible to give a true, honest representation that's going to represent all of anybody. And I think it. I think it kind of hinders people. Especially if it's fiction. Yeah, especially when it's fiction. Because generally the writer's writing it to make it They're trying to make story. a compelling story. They're yeah. not trying to like, you know. So it's one of those things where like, I think that we should have characters who are gay or trans and all right. that stuff. But to me, there's a difference between like having a character who's gay or a character who's trans um, versus that being their entire identity. Right. Like if the character is a compelling character and a good written character, but happens to be gay. Mm-hmm. That's different than if a character's entire personality or their entire character is just they're gay. Right. Like that to me is more degrading. Right. I mean, I'm not a gay person, but I would like if you had a character who's there and is just autistic to me, it's like, OK, whatever. That's not because that's not a real fair representation of autistic people. But if you have a character who is um, compelling, but happens to be autistic. Right. Then they're not writing a character who's autistic. They're writing a character who happens to be autistic. And that's the difference for me. I, I always find that the argument or when people are complaining about uh, they see a certain character, yeah. okay, say like uh, uh, Rain Man, 
Okay, and we'll use that as the first example. Dustin Hoffman playing Rain Man, autistic character. Of course you would bring up that one first because that's of what course. everybody thinks of when they yeah, of think course. of autistic people in movies. Um, but people people have an issue with it because they're like, well, that, that doesn't represent all of us. Not all of us are great in one area. But I will say in this regard, though, isn't it better to have a character represent a group of people that is somewhat like that group that is somewhat, or even at least just identifying of that group. Isn't it better to have that than not at all? Well, I think it, it changes over time. So like at the time that rain man was made, um, autism was still not something that most people knew much about. Right. So the types of autistic characters that you would see would probably evolve over time. Um, right. just like if you have gay characters, in the 90s, for instance, in sitcoms, a lot of characters that were gay were there for comedic relief. Right. They were like just funny. Just Jack on Will and Grace. They were silly. Um, but nowadays, when you have characters who are gay, they're a lot more complex and complicated. They're not just like, hey, I'm gay. Yeah. Like, right. Their whole right. character is not about just being gay, which to right. me, I guess in a way, it kind of opens the door for those more complicated characters. Right. But I still, to me, there's a big difference between the character who's just, you know, like a stereotype of what people think a gay character is or if they're there just for for comedic relief or having an autistic character who's just there and like a stereotypical it's a white guy who mm -hmm. likes to rock in the corner mm -hmm. and blurts out weird shit right i i mean <clears throat> i do like the fact that there are more autistic characters out there at the same time i don't think any one of those characters is a hundred percent of a representation of autism because there is a huge wide range of autism, right? And most of the characters you see out there are generally on the what level level one, low need, high function, um, what whatever whatever variation you want to say of that. They're generally of that side. And I read an article <clears throat> to prepare for this episode a little while ago, and it talked about how that the other side of autism or people who, who have heavier uh, support needs or, or more support needs, they're not usually represented in stuff. And I kind of understand why, though, because anybody who's at another part of the spectrum, they're like anybody who has higher needs. It's be harder to write it, a character it's, like it's that. much harder to write that character, but also having that character engaged in the story is even harder than that. It's so like if you have a character who has down syndrome, right? Like you'd have to have somebody who has downs play the character. Right. And depending on how, what level of support they're at, right? Like how well can you write the character? First of all, mm -hmm. somebody who's not, doesn't have downs, presumably mm -hmm. writing it, who doesn't understand what it's like to have that. Right. And then somebody portraying it, which would probably have to be somebody. And there's also like with downs, there's a, you know, kind of a, not really a spectrum, but yeah. there's certain people who have more needs than others. Right. There's people who have downs who function pretty well. And then there's people who are, need a lot more help. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of the problem <clears throat> when you're writing a story is you also have to make sure you're serving the story. Yeah. Right. So yes, I like the fact that there are, there is representations of it, but I also think people go a little far when it comes to like critiquing those characters and the judgment they place on the character of whether that fits what autism is or whether that fits what the African American community is or whether that fits to being a, a woman who's an advocate for feminism or something, whatever the representation they're looking to do. I think the overwhelming amount of judgment people place on it um, like on, on some of the, the Instagram posts and the, the Reddit posts that I've read of people on the spectrum critiquing those kind of characters or talking about how 
our representation is always the person who needs way more needs. But they're basically saying that they would rather have no representation then, or they want better representation. But the only true way to get really good representation would to be have somebody where, you know, where our support needs are, which are kind of minimal, have somebody like us write it. But even then, we're not able to completely represent the entire <coughs> spectrum that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, when it comes to one of my kids, okay, um, one of my kids scripts a lot. And writing a character like that in a story is like making them a tertiary or an ancillary character in the story because they can't really contribute to move that story along, right? The other characters around them would have to make sure they're included somehow, but then that's not really a good representation of a compelling story for somebody who's autistic. It sounds to me like you're just a bigot who doesn't want to see more autism in TV. That's what I'm getting from what you're saying. Well, I also believe the purpose of a story is to kind of show us commonalities amongst humans and to give us something that we can all relate to. In the well, there's sense a certain like, there's a certain reason why we're all human. Certain stories are very popular. Yeah, and if I don't want to get all metaphysical on you, okay. but uh, you know, you're somebody who's into psychology, and I know that yes. you you like um, some of the concepts like of Jung and stuff like that. But you know, the sure. archetypes that. Yeah, uh, his concept of archetypes that human beings kind mm -hmm. of are drawn to certain archetypes and archetypical stories. Right. So that's kind of interesting, like that. There's certain themes that play out. Right. Um, throughout pretty much any story ever has certain um, archetypes that are repeated. Right. And then we kind of live out some of those archetypes in real life. Right. I mean, if we take the representation of like atypical, like yeah. the, the Netflix show atypical, <clears throat> Um, some people, uh, have an issue with that show because they think that that character was written with, I honestly read this, uh, too extreme of support needs. The story is based, uh, based on the dude being on the spectrum and the struggles in which he has. So of course, a lot of the episodes are going to talk about his struggle in situations more so than his necessary successes, if you will. Yeah. And so I get that, like even on the good doctor, right? The, the autistic doctor there, right? People are complaining that in a lot of episodes, he's written too literal and not everybody on the spectrum is that literal. No, but it is pretty common that we're very literal. Yeah. And they just take that one step further with him being a doctor. <clears throat> and also people who are on the spectrum who aren't as literal, mm -hmm. they might have had to work on that. Right. Kind of so, like myself. Yeah, we're kind of invoking those masking skills sometimes to kind of move past that. Yeah. But what? Nothing. Okay. No, there was a noise. There was a sound in my headphones, but... It the recording didn't pick it up. That's fine. Okay. It was a computer sound. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Sorry. You had a look on your face and I thought. No, I have. Um, okay. I usually turn off the um, system sounds. Yeah. And windows. And yeah. for some reason it's not off. So like there was a windows notification sound oh. went off in my headphones, but the people listening can't hear it. So. No, no, they can't. But no. you know what? Y'all sometimes we're, we're going to deviate because we're going to like have a moment. So all right. It, it just freaked me out. That's all. All right. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but I mean, the entire concept of representation, like no matter what is being represented, there's a segment of that population who says that's not good enough. That's not really a representation <clears throat> of us. And I think maybe we should just not necessarily just be happy with what 
whatever little we get from it. But we also need to take into consideration that this person who's writing it is writing a story. And it's the story that we can kind of connect with necessarily, not necessarily how great this person wrote the character. Well, I right? looked up um, a bunch of examples of representation of autistic people. Great. And a lot of them, a lot of the stuff that comes up is actually focused more on the nonfiction. Yes. Um, like Love on the Spectrum. Yeah. Which I've watched uh, both the American and Australian seasons. The Autistic Brothers, which is a book. Oh. Um, the Autistic Buddha. All right. It's a nonfiction novel about an autistic individual's journey to Germany and China and what he learned about the experience. Um, Girls with Autism is a documentary. Yeah. Let's see. Here's an interesting one. The Big Short, which is yes. a film, but it's based on some things that actually happened. Yeah. It uh, stars uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, one of the characters, Michael Burry, who's a hedge fund manager, mm -hmm. is supposed to be on the autistic spectrum without yep. Asperger syndrome. So during the course of the film, it says it's never revealed, but strongly implied, right. which I, I watched that film, but I don't remember picking that up. That that's, that, that's the other thing I got to say about representation is to me, if a character doesn't specifically say they are part of X group and the character doesn't mention that that is a thing that is a big deal to them, kind of like bipolar characters, right? Like I, I've never once seen a bipolar character that was, uh, uh, written well enough, in my opinion, that I could say that that represented any of us, let alone, you know, the person that they wrote, uh, they wrote it. In that regard, though, I don't want to stop seeing bipolar characters, but at times lost my thought process. Oh, but at times people are like, oh, that character's bipolar. Oh, that character's autistic. Oh, that character's gay. Even though the character doesn't say it ever and it's not part of the story whatsoever, kind of like with uh, Sheldon and Big Bang Theory, right? When Big Bang Theory first came out, the writer said not necessarily was were they thinking that he was on the spectrum or whatnot, but they've kind of adapted it since then. And I get he showed a lot of traits to it, but if the writer and the character don't ever say it and don't ever claim that that's what that person is, how can we say it's a bad representation of us? Or even address it. Right. Like, come on. <clears throat> like they never, like you could have an episode where they ask if the character is right. autistic. Like, hey, have you ever thought about getting tested for autism? Right. And Sheldon would say whatever, but. Yeah, well, his mother did test him twice for being crazy. He oh. says that multiple times in the show. Um, I mean, it sounds like something that you would do to an autistic kid. Yeah. So. so it's the same thing with like LGBT characters, right? Either the character is written that that's the only thing about them, really, and that's the major thing about them, or it's almost not mentioned. But if like you have a male character who's a bit effeminate, people just kind of make some assumption. Um, there's some historical figures that people have done that with too lately. Saying they were like, gay. What? Saying they were gay. Yeah. Like Hitler. I heard that one once before. Because he, um, the, the theory behind that one is because he didn't really have a lot of, he was into, first of all, he had some weird sexual fetishes. Yeah. He was into like being pissed and shit on. Okay. And being abused physically. Mm. And he also apparently didn't have a lot of female sexual partners. So there was like some type of theory that, he was gay. He also apparently had um, confessed homosexual desires to people he was close with, uh -huh. allegedly. So I don't know. But even but if who you cares? have 
<laughs> but no, I mean that's true too. Like whatever, that's not even a big part of who he is. But let's let's take what you just said as an example. Like he didn't have a lot of female sexual partners, so somehow that that means he must lean in different directions. And then he confessed to having homosexual desires, but he never acted on any that we <clears throat> know of. We have no evidence to support that he ever acted on it. And he didn't say that he was questioning. He just supposedly admitted to somebody. No, there were women who claimed that they had slept with him. Uh-huh. And they said that some of them were apparently disgusted uh-huh. because of the things he wanted them to do. What? But they were like, he was asking to be physically abused to the point where people felt uncomfortable okay. performing the acts with him. Okay. But I don't know how that makes him gay. I, I don't either. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, in the same regard, uh, when it when it comes to like past people being diagnosed with mental health issues, I, I have a problem with it too because they were not tested by anybody with any level of training. It's just we're looking at their writings posthumously. We're looking at uh, uh, other people's observation of their behavior posthumously. That doesn't mean that they are. That doesn't mean that this person had OCD or bipolar or schizophrenia. But you hear a lot like Einstein. People yeah. think Einstein might have been autistic. Right. But there's a lot of things in his life that would point to possibly. Possibly. But we can't say for sure. Um, right. The, like the, he did really poorly in school. He had mm-hmm. a lot of social issues. Um, but he was very smart. He just right. didn't function well within normal right. social, you know, social norms and boundaries. It, he also apparently was a mess, uh-huh. personally, which some people think. Very disorganized. Might, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> with that, because I also heard Leonardo da Vinci was probably on the spectrum. And just because somebody's high intelligence doesn't mean they're on the spectrum. Like anybody who is a genius in history is now autistic. Supposedly. Uh, Although I do think Nikola Tesla might have been. He might have been. Because same thing with him. You A lot Maybe. of the stuff and you hear about his life. Yeah. There's a lot of things that kind of point in that direction, just like. He didn't have any friends. He uh-huh. had trouble getting along with people. He had poor social skills. Yeah. He got obviously super obsessed with whatever projects he was working on. Sure. He also um, was one of those people who thinks in pictures, like uh-huh. where they were able to, he would be able to build things in his head right. without actually having to write them out and then uh-huh. actually build the machine. Like he could build a working machine, right. test it in his brain. And if it didn't work, he would re-engineer it in his brain before he ever actually put anything together. Okay. Well, how do we know all that happened? Um, I mean, how do we know anything about anybody in history? That's what people, that's what's reported about them. Right. But it's just, you're talking about all this internal processing stuff. And even if he said, that's how I do things, that's not even necessarily. Well, I don't 100%. know for a fact. I'm just going based on what history, yeah. what the book, what people say about him in books right. and in isn't, biographies. And isn't stuff. he also the same guy who married a bird or a pigeon or something like that? I don't know about that. Okay. Right. I could have sworn, I, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong guy, but. There was some like science specialty guy who like supposedly married a pigeon or had a relationship with a pigeon or some shit, some bird. Anyway, off topic of gossip. um, One of the ones that kept coming up when I was looking at a list was Temple Grandin. Yes. Because she's featured in in media frequently, like on documentaries, on videos and stuff like that. Uh, There's a recent biopic made about her, too. Yeah. So she's. And autistic, and she's somebody who, um, is probably most of her life was was higher, um, higher needs. Like who, you know, she she fell on a different part of the spectrum, I think, than you would see people normally because, okay. she, like, she couldn't. She was um, 
I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure as a kid, she spent many years not being able to communicate at all. Okay. She was not, she was nonverbal for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And she had trouble communicating for a long time. (laughs) Bless you. Because of um, the way that her, her brain works, she doesn't understand. She doesn't think the same way a lot of other people do in the way she processes what people say. Right. So it took her longer to adapt to the way other people communicate. At least from what I understand of her, I could be wrong, but. I don't know enough about her. Oh. Yeah, uh, she, she I, was. I know who she is. She definitely relatively. was um, somebody who you'd consider, you know, a higher level, whatever you want to call it, like a level two or level three. Oh, okay. But she. Well, probably level two because she's actually able to completely verbalize. Right. But she spent a long time. Struggling. She was somebody right. who would have needed more support than you or I. Yes. But she's gotten herself to a, you know, the point where she's yeah. not like that. She's able to communicate. But she I mean, definitely. She did go to school. She did get a degree. So. Yeah. She does. She she is more noticeably autistic, if that's not offensive to say. It's probably offensive to somebody. But come on. Fuck. It's true. It's because of the way she speaks. Yes. Like. So she doesn't mask as much is what I'm saying. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure she gave up the whole idea of trying to mask. Yeah. So when that's what I mean, by she's more obviously autistic is yeah. that when she speaks, she doesn't mask. She just she speaks a very monotone. Right. A lot of the things that you would see, like stereotypically portrayed for like a guy mm-hmm. who's autistic. Yeah. Just the very monotone. I like cabbage yep. and cabbage tastes good. <laughs> you want some? You said cabbage tastes good. Pizza. Like she. <clears throat> well, no, I get what you're saying. And if anybody's interested, we do have on our Facebook page, we do have a small video of Temple Grandin, who is a very smart, interesting woman. She is also uh, uh, a wonderful advocate for autism. Uh, some and might argue that or whatever because of past statements that she has made. But you know what? She's one of the most visible people for autism today. And so I think on that, we should kind of give some respect because without her out there talking about autism, the rest of us might not be where we want to be. And there might not be as much representation in media if it wasn't for people like her stepping forward and being a face of autism. <clears throat> she also is an animal advocate. Yes. Big time. She likes animals. Yeah. Um, so here, here's my question for you. Cause I actually thought about this earlier today. Cause I was starting to watch rewatch uh, uh, love on the spectrum us. And have you ever watched any of it, Steve? Yeah. Okay. So when you're watching that show, do you think the collection of people that they grabbed, okay, for that show, do you think that collectively they are a good representation of autism? I think it's pretty close. Or do you think that they grabbed those people specifically for the interestingness of where they are on the spectrum? I think it's probably a mixture of both. Okay. They have a good range, but it's still, um, they don't have anybody who is, um, they don't have anybody who is, I guess what you would call like level three. Yeah. Necessarily. They don't have anybody who is at the level where they need complete support to do everything. Right. Um, but then again, it would also be kind of hard to have a dating show with somebody like that. And actually, that kind of gets to the point about that I was making about representation of like, it wouldn't be a show that people would want to watch or entertaining in any way or even be able to get enough people to watch it if we had somebody who just, you know, sat around, jumped around and scripted all day. Like, and that person probably wants somebody to love and care for them as well. 
It's just it wouldn't be a show that people would want to watch as much. Most of the people in that show are um, somewhere in the middle to higher Mm -hmm. functioning. So they're um, varying degrees of where they fall on the spectrum, but they're it's you know, it's it's more like kind of level two, level one. Yes. uh, Relatively on the in that area. Some of them who are um, who I guess would be better passing as normies. Yes. And some of them who are more obviously autistic, for lack of a better term. Right. But they are still able to, you know, go on the dates and right, et cetera. But um, so when you say it's a is it a fair representation? I, that's why I said kind of because. Yeah. But I don't know what you would do with people who are, um, very low functioning. I don't know right. what you would do with them on a dating show. Well, that's exactly true. Um, I think the same thing goes for every story possible. So, like when I read in the autism communities. Uh, when I read about people saying this person and that person is not a good representation. And then also with the amount of. Wait a minute. Ex- How can you say someone's not a good representation if they are autistic? I That part I don't understand. So if you are autistic, is say they were to put me in, in a show as a representative of someone who's autistic and you say, well, he's not a good representative. Of, well, I am autistic. Yeah. So how can you say I'm not a good representation? I exist. Right. But that's what people are doing. Um, and, and there's actually very few people. So another thing about representation, and I'm going to go on a slight bit of a rant on this because a lot of community groups, uh, theater community groups in this area love to talk about and put on their Facebook page, put on their websites that they're inclusive and all that jazz. And they want to do equal representation for people. But every time somebody tries to put on that curious case of the what is it, Boy with a Dog or whatever that uh, play is. I have no idea what that is. It's a story about an autistic kid. Nobody's looking for an autistic kid to play that kid in the story. Like um, a theater in uh, a town I grew up in in Connecticut, I I saw a post that they were going to do that play and they posted who was the cast. And so I just straight up asked, is the person playing the autistic kid autistic? And their response was, no. And then I replied with, shouldn't we be representing the autism community with an autistic person? There are autistic actors. And they didn't respond to me, but it kind of made me think about it because at the same time, like all of the other moments and things that we talk about representation in media and Hollywood in, in stories, when it comes to playing, like if you people, were to do Roots with an all white cast, right? Like <laughs> that would be after a story, right? That'd be a horrible. I mean, that's idea. that's an extreme example. It it's is. not really a one to one, but I'm saying that, like, you would you wouldn't cast right like a character who's supposed to be a slave as a white dude, right? Like you wouldn't do the life story of Levar Burton as like uh, uh, Chris Evans. You wouldn't have Chris Evans play him, right? Which reminds me of the thing people were freaking out about Cleopatra, mm. which. So I actually understand the argument as to why people are annoyed with that. It's in fact, a lot of the people I've seen complaining about it are autistic people because we like things to be kind of like factually correct. And they're having a black woman play Cleopatra, which doesn't make sense because Cleopatra was Greek. Right. She was Mediterranean. She would have been um, like she would have looked Mediterranean. She would have been like an olive skin. She was from Macedonia. She would have been she would have looked like a person from that area. Right. Um, which I really don't give a shit at the end of the day that if they have a black woman playing, I think the reason why people were complaining is because it's Netflix is calling it a documentary. So if you're doing a documentary about Cleopatra, uh-huh. how can you have a documentary 
and then you decide to change the character, not the character, but change the historical figure of Cleopatra to right. somebody that she wasn't. Not only that, but then there's people in the documentary saying that she could have been black, hmm. even though all historical evidence points to the fact that she wasn't. And she was part of the uh, Tamelic dynasty, which was all Greek. So whatever. Like, I don't really care because that's, that's one of those things to me where. Like, I don't give a shit if you make a character black or white or whatever, but if you have a historical figure, it doesn't make sense right. to me. Like, why would you change the race of a historical figure? Right. Or whatever. Who cares? I agree. I agree. Uh, okay. <clears throat> like, that to me, that's like when you take inclusivity and you make it weird. Like, what? Yeah. That yeah. Well, it's I've, like, oh, Genghis Khan, we're going to have a, uh, um, I don't know. That's like making Genghis Khan Indian. Mm. Like, oh, we're going to have an Indian guy play Genghis Khan. Why? Well, Indian people aren't represented well, but yeah, but it's Genghis Khan. Right. I, I, I agree with you. You should have like a Mongolian person play Genghis Khan, right. not fucking. If, if we're going to truly do re proper representation in Hollywood, in, in entertainment, right, then we got to go all the way with it and have it. Yeah. Be they don't. Representative people say people. that they care about that stuff, but they don't, especially they when it comes to too. certain things. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with theaters, too, who said that they were all for diversity, inclusion and shit. And then when I brought up. um like mental mental disorders mental disabilities neurodivergent people they were like they didn't really have a response it was more of like uh well we have somebody who works for us who's maybe autistic okay i mean honest to god they only want to be inclusive and they only want to give representation for whatever you know topic happens to be in the media at the time like honestly um because even even uh, theater groups I've worked with, uh, like recently, somebody uh, did a post about the level of commitment to the the theater show you're in and all of this kind of stuff. But it's not taking into account that people have stuff going on. Like if if you're somebody who <clears throat> suffers from a mood disorder, right? There's going to be times where you can't show up to the theater to rehearse that day because of you know complications with it, because of struggles that you have with it. Uh, it but they want to talk about how people need to just be committed to it, period, regardless of what's going on. Come on. Like, let's take into account that these are human beings, especially if it's community theater, because it's a voluntary thing. Well, the in the theater that I was just complaining about was actually a paid theater. Yeah, I know. So it's a theater that I had dealt with that actually pays their actors. It's a professional theater. Right. And they posted a job listing. I'm not going to say the name of the theater. Yeah. I applied for a job. They said that they were encouraging applicants to apply who were underrepresented groups. Right. And so when I wrote my cover letter, I explained to them that I asked, you know, I mentioned that I was autistic and I asked in my cover letter if they had other autistic people working there. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying it would be nice to have some sort of, you know, if you care about underrepresented groups. Um, I listed some stats about like uh, unemployment for autistic people. Mm -hmm. Um in areas that were underrepresented in like theater and stuff like that. So I put that stuff in there and their response to me was basically that, um, <clears throat> that while they appreciated me applying, but they didn't really, uh, they were looking for somebody a little bit different. So something <laughs> along those lines. So in other words, they were looking for somebody who's more visibly different, right? Somebody they can put on a poster. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So in other words, you're full of shit. Right. Because you said underrepresented groups. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, let's say they did hire somebody who they were just looking for somebody who was um, like a different skin color or whatever. If you look at their staff listing, their whole staff is like people of color. Yeah. 
which is fine. I don't give a fuck. Right. But like you're saying that you care about underrepresented groups. You, you don't have a lot of white people working there. You have mostly people of color, which is awesome. But you're going to like, what about people who are neurodivergent mm-hmm. or other other types of groups? So you're saying you're looking for underrepresented groups. Well, it looks like you're trying to have people of color, women, women of color, uh, you know, LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about neurodivergent people? Right. No, don't care. Um, and I and I will say when it comes to it, like uh, I've always had this conversation with a friend about representation because he always feels like his group isn't represented a lot, which is true. And when we've had these conversations, I kind of asked him about like, why is it so important? Right. <clears throat> and one of the things that he always kind of says about it is because it, it allows him to see a different version and allows him to see that he's not alone. And allows him to see that, you know, the way he does things, the way he behaves is okay. And so basically looking for a level of acceptance. Yeah, it's right? the same thing like why, you know, it's nice for um, black kids to be able to see black people represented in right. the media. You know, you want to see people who are like you. Right. So and I think that's important. Um, I mean, when it comes to like autistic folks and yeah. when it comes to people with uh, uh, mental health differences – A lot of it sounds like to me, and I could be totally wrong, could be totally wrong, could be misreading what people are saying, but it sounds a lot like they're looking for acceptance and they're trying to see something to make them feel okay with themselves. And and in my personal opinion, I think they're going about it the wrong way because they're looking for validation and acceptance and approval from an external source. And I think we need to look, especially us being autistic, I think we need to look at ourselves first and we need to accept we need to love. We need to to own us for us. You know what I mean? We have to accept ourselves first. We have to love ourselves first. We have to own what it is, who we are as a person first, before we say everybody needs to show me love and acceptance. By the way, in a side topic, before I came here today, I was at a store mm-hmm. and I told the girl behind the counter that. She's like, oh, what are you up to today? You seem like you're always busy because I go into this store frequently. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to record a podcast or whatever. And I was like, I know everybody and their mother has a fucking podcast. <laughs> and I don't think I'm important or whatever. And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. She's like, you seem like really busy all the time. And I was like, but we are talking about something that not as many other podcasts are talking about. Right. And she's like, oh, what's that? And I was like, autism. And she said, isn't everybody a little autistic? Oh, no, no, not everybody is a little autistic. Thank you. Um, but I will say actually, cause a lot of people have a real hard time with that, or they have a hard time when somebody says, you don't look autistic. I will say this. If you're a person who gets upset by hearing either one of those things from another human being, I do need you to understand that that human being in that given moment, when they say stuff like that, they're actually attempting to show some level of interest of things, trying to engage you in something. And as far as we go, there isn't a lot of us. There really, statistically, there is actually not a lot of people who are autistic. Okay. So if somebody is saying something like that, well, you don't really look all that autistic, take that opportunity to talk to them. Take that opportunity to educate, maybe. Like, and I'm not saying take hours out of your life to do it, but their ignorance is understood <clears throat> because they don't have a lot of experience and even if they did have an uh, experience. I, just, I was I was getting a coffee, so I didn't feel like explaining to her right. that there is there's it's impossible for everybody to be a little autistic. But I was like, I'm it, not going to fight this battle right now. I'm just right. going to get my coffee and leave. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like 
uh, as I've been going online for our Instagram. I wasn't offended, by the way. I just thought it was yeah. funny. As I've been going online for our Instagram and our TikTok uh, and kind of posting and talking to people in some of our Facebook too, like there's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of things people are saying are autistic traits or, or because of their autism. And really it's human stuff and the person's autistic. Like one person in particular uh, said that um, uh, their love of being creative is part of their autism. And there might be something to that, but humans are creative. Like yeah, maybe, maybe we you're autistic, obsessed we with something you're creating. Maybe, right. maybe, maybe your fixation could be yeah. like if you're, if you're working on an artistic project and you're right. hyper fixated on it, maybe that could be related to the autism, but creativity isn't an autistic trait. No. And like having anxiety, there's a is, lot of is, autistic is people who are not creative at all. Right. There's a lot of autistic people who are more like, if you want to go into stereotypes, like yep. the math people or maybe more, uh -huh. um, into STEM or maybe aren't, uh, who maybe are not right artistic, but they're like hyper fixated on science or math right. or something like that. engineering. And are all of us hyper fixated on something? Not necessarily, but actually, yes. I tend to. We are. But uh, as what autistic I what people. I fixate on, I get hyper fixated on things for a little while, and then I change into get hyper fixated right. on something else for a while. Uh, in in this kind of vein of this conversation we're talking about, it does kind of bother me when everybody just wants to say that everyone on the spectrum is different. No, there's a reason why we're all on the spectrum. There's a reason why we can all identify as being on the spectrum because there are certain traits that we all do, or at least relatively all do. Tism radar. Yeah, like uh, tism oh, tism sonar. I heard about the other day too. Kind of like gaydar, but autism dar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But that's why we can all say we're on the spectrum because there are certain traits that we all do. And like people want to argue the diagnostic criteria for it, but that's how we all know we're on the spectrum. Otherwise, we're human like everybody else. Because I know I know tons of NTs who also have something that they're an expert in or have something that they <laughs> have a lot of knowledge in and they focus on something a great deal for a while. They do that too, not necessarily to the degree somebody who's autistic will and maybe you know, they're going to focus on something and have a passion for something, but that didn't, you know, it's still human traits. I have a, I have two questions for you. Sure. First question is what would you like to see um, different as far as autistic representation in fiction and even maybe nonfiction? If you want, if you were to see it in like a movie or television, what would you like to see that maybe you haven't seen or that you would like to see more of? Um, I, th I think I would, you know, talking about this topic, uh, having this as our topic today, I think I would want somebody who, I mean, and I'm going to say this very selfishly. I think I would want to see somebody who is on the spectrum, who is a lot like me and you, who are performers, who are, <coughs> who are actors and comedians, stuff like that. I think I would want to see I, that. I would like to see somebody who is, um, late diagnosed, mm -hmm. but see what it was like before they were diagnosed, right? Like through their teenage years, maybe their twenties yeah. and some of the struggles of going through living while being that, but not knowing. Right. I, I agree. I like the idea of that too. Um, and, uh, we are going to cover that at, at some of the topic self, being late diagnosed and the changes, some that of the, the self-esteem issues or right. the self doubt that comes along with that. with yeah. not understanding why you are the way you are, or why it seems like you're different from other people, yeah. but then, um, you know, just 
for me, I used to fluctuate back and forth between thinking there was something wrong with me and just mm-hmm. thinking that everyone else was fucking retarded. And that I was, I was the one who had all the answers. I'm, I'm yeah. the one who's right. Everyone else is wrong. They're just fucking idiots. Yeah. But you know, I, at I some point, at some point it snaps in your head. Well, it can't be that everyone else is wrong because that doesn't make any sense. Well, because I'm the common denominator, so it must be me. Right. So, yeah. but you fluctuate back and forth. At least I used to, because I would get kind of depressed and yeah. feel like I was the problem. And then I would start to get kind of angry about it and just be like, fuck everybody else. Right. Um, so kind of flop back and forth between those two things. But then once I realized that I was autistic, I was like, oh, okay. A lot of this makes sense now. Interesting enough. I've actually had two points in my life where I had to kind of look at and reflect on prior to a diagnosis or prior to an acceptance of something about me and seeing the way I was prior to knowing it. And then after, like when I got diagnosed with bipolar, things prior to that started to just make sense to me and like, oh, that's why this happened. Oh, this is why I acted that way. Oh my God, this is what was motivating me because of this mood shift or whatnot. Same thing when it came to autism, when I finally started to accept the autistic side, same idea. I started to, oh my God, things make so much more sense to me. And then I was able to accept those moments that were a struggle, that were a problem in my past, even relationship wise. I was able to accept those moments more when knowing it so I, I I agree. I would like to see pre and post late diagnosis. Because I, I haven't really seen you see a lot of like uh, an atypical, for instance, you know, yeah. he already has a diagnosis. Yeah. At a He's very more, young age. more obviously autistic, has uh, bigger issues with like sensory issues than you or I would have. Right. Like so <clears throat> with him, it's much more obvious. But with someone like you and I, it's maybe not as obvious, which is why we diagnosed late. But there was still a lot of. Um, consequences and struggles that became right. as a result of that. So you haven't really seen a lot of that. I, I'll actually say something about that character uh, on Atypical. I and and maybe this is just foolish me in this regard, but anytime I see that character talk to somebody or interact with another character in that show, and he's not wearing the headphones, I don't see anything like odd or different or weird about his interactions with people. Like even his speech, I don't find anything different no, about I did, it. There's but certain the things second, about him that he, that I, I like, I find some of the stuff about his character relatable right? in it. Like some of the things I'm like, Oh, I've been there. Or I yep. felt the same way as him. So yep. I relate to him sometimes, right. but other times not. But then the second I see him put on the headphones, I'm immediately like, oh, yeah, okay. There you go. Uh, autistic. But I don't see it otherwise. I mean, I don't believe some that of the, the actor is actually autistic on some that Some of the show. meltdown stuff is relatable. Oh, yeah. Oh, the meltdown stuff. Yeah. And of course, they dramatize it a little bit more. Well, it's uh, fucking uh, television. Yeah, it's, it, it's a show. It's got to be compelling. It's got to be interesting in some way. Um, I actually really like how Michael Rappaport, who's the actor who plays the dad, I actually really like the character and the way Michael Rappaport as an actor chooses to, to emote and connect in those scenes. Because like, I think as autistic kids, we would all want him as a dad. He's just trying to understand. He knows he doesn't have all the answers. He knows he doesn't understand it very well, but he just wants to love and to support his son. And so I actually really like those interactions. I mean, I also got my own, well, quite frankly, I have daddy issues uh, to a degree. And so watching this awesome dad interact with his autistic son and try his best to accept it, like still not being able to understand it really all that well, but still accept his son and still try to support and defend and protect his son is a really kind of I like the, the connection he had with the teacher or the therapist. The yeah. one he kind of had a crush on. Yeah. yeah. yeah because the therapist. that reminded me a lot of things that happened to me when I was younger. Okay. Kind of in his situation, some of the awkward. Right. 
social situations I got myself into. Yeah. So, um, I, I will say though, that like one thing that I rarely ever see for autistic characters is <clears throat> when they have to deal with being misinterpreted as being rude or an asshole or something to that effect. I rarely see that on shows like that or in stories like that, like even on good doctor, like people let him know that he might've crossed the line when he said something, but nobody's like, you're an asshole. I yeah. mean, granted it's on ABC, so I don't think anybody's going to call him an asshole, but like, and maybe they have, I haven't watched a hell of a lot of episodes of good doctor. Cause quite honestly, I find the show dull, but that's my personal preference. A lot of people love that show. I'm not saying it's a bad writing or acting or any of that. I think the kid who plays uh, the good doctor is a good actor. Uh, granted, he's also not autistic supposedly. Uh, but I, I just, those are moments to me that that would actually represent being on the spectrum more. So it's not even necessarily the character being written a certain way or behaving a certain way, but it's more of how others interact with them and how they act or or react. Some of the to them. miscommunications or the misunderstanding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I would, I would much rather see those moments than to see like the best prototype of an autistic character. I'd rather see the interactions displayed better and being more realistic. So my second question for yes. you. Oh yeah. You had two, didn't you? Is if you, if there was going to be a movie made uh -huh. or a television show made about you, uh, what, wow. what non-autistic actor would you want to play you? <laughs> what non-autistic actor? Yeah. Um, well, for one, because I'm an actor, if somebody's going to make a movie out of me, I'd like to play me egotistically speaking, but in it kind of, kind of defeats the purpose of the question. I know it really did. And I'm so sorry, but I, I went there. So that's a really good <clears throat> question. Who would I want to have played me? I um, think I know who you would, I thought I knew who you would say, but it, actually, if I could pick any actor in the known world, whether alive or dead, um, I, I think the person I'm going to pick a living actor. I think the person I, who I'd want to play me, who I think here's also an egotistical thing, who I think could play me, not that it'd be difficult to play me, but to play me, I think Jason Bateman. Yeah. Uh, would be an actor. that La could do Lauren's really a big well. fan of him. Yeah, I am too. I really love his podcast. It's called smartless him, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett talk with other actors and directors and friends of theirs. You should check out the podcast. I'm a big fan of it. Will Arnett's pretty funny. He is. He's a very funny guy. Um, but I think Jason Bateman would be a, uh, a good idea. Um, I I thought you were going to say Robin Williams. To play me? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Robin Williams. I, I used to love watching his stuff. And a lot of people like watch the way I perform on a stage, especially when we're doing our improv show and like think I draw a lot of influence by from Robin Williams. But I don't think, I think Robin Williams would take playing me in a very different direction. Um, because of who I actually am, you know, when I'm not on a stage. You, uh, by the way, since you mentioned Will Arnett, yeah, uh, have you seen Murderville? I have. Oh, I thought that show was interesting. It's a lot of it's improvised too. Mm -hmm. So a hell of a lot of it. He actually talks about it on the show a lot. Oh, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Well, when I say a lot, I mean they they plug their stuff, but they don't I watched try I watched to. all of it. I thought it was pretty funny. But I like I appreciate that a lot of it's improvised. Me too. And a lot of times the guest actors have no fucking clue what's going on, yeah. which makes it funnier. Um, um I, I will say this about because I I do find it interesting that me and you are able to do improv as as well as we have. Now, there is that 
total autistic uh, improv group, Asperger's R Us, or yeah, uh, Asperger's R Us. If I remember correctly, the name. And we have a hard enough time getting a group together to um, begin with. I don't know if we yeah. limit ourselves to just autists, if that would be a viable well, option for they, us. But. They do that. And and it's uh, four four guys uh, who travel around the country and stuff. Uh, there's even a movie about them, a documentary about I, them. I actually I think I've seen that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're, they're with us in that regard because they do improv too. And we do it. But I find it interesting, autistic people doing improv. Because yes, we're really good at associations and yes, we're really good at connecting things and having patterns and seeing the game of things, right? The game of the the pattern recognition. Yeah, pattern recognition. Yes, we're good at all that stuff, but I find it very interesting because improv, you have to be open and vulnerable and readily available and in the moment. And we have a hard time focusing. I mean, yes, we hyperfix it on something, but we also seem to have some attention issues there. Although there's a lot of folks who are on the spectrum who also have ADHD, and I get that. I don't know. I just find it interesting that that <coughs> we do so well at improv. Granted, I say we do so well only compared to the people we know that do improv. I don't know how good we actually are in the world of improv. Yeah. Well, I think um, when we saw Colin that we could have had some fun with that. But What? When we saw Colin Mockery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we just I think I would have had him. some fun if I had been up on stage with him. But I think it would have been hilarious if you'd been able to go up on stage with him. I think that him. I would have been able to keep up with him. I'm not saying it would have been as good as him. Right. But I think I would have been able to keep up in the scene. I mean, he's also been doing it for like 40 years yeah. or so. Um, I mean, he's absolutely wonderful at it. I, I definitely would have done better than the people who had no experience who were yeah. hypnotized. Yeah. But um, well, you, you know how we <laughs> talk about being a good beginner? Yeah. I actually decided to watch that show with that in mind of being a good beginner. So not sitting there and critiquing his improv or checking out the rules and seeing if he's doing this or that, but looked at it as being a good beginner in the sense of like putting that stuff aside and just watching it for what it is. And even with that, he was so good. Like he held on to that premise of that story, no matter what anybody else said to him and just kept it rolling. And it was so cool to try to keep the reality of the scene. Yeah. Keep that going. Yeah. Even if somebody said something that kind of broke it or took it out of it, he tried right. to bring it back to the whatever the story or the theme was. Right. I, I would love to be that good at it at some point. But yeah, to, to answer your question, because it's still kicking in my head and rotating in my head a little bit. I, I would like to see somebody who's on the spectrum like we are, where we're at, where we have relationships and we're maintaining employment and and we're we're managing. And well, I was also asking group. who you who you would want to play. Oh, yeah. Well, Jason Bateman. Um, I don't know who I'd want to play me, but um, this is not a good answer. But for some reason, the first person that comes to mind is Jim Carrey. And I don't know why. For for you? Yeah. Huh. I don't because I really don't know who would be someone good to play me. But I just think uh, he's a fun, interesting guy. I don't think he's like an amazing actor, but I was like, you know who I think? And not just because you have a similarity in the way you guys look, but I actually think Zach Galifianakis would probably be a good <laughs> idea. I mean, you guys look kind of similar, but like I, and I mean this honestly and seriously, I think Zach Galifianakis could play you even in the serious stuff. Have you seen um, that clown show he did? No. What the fuck is it called? Oh. There's a show he did where he plays a clown. Yeah. I think you would like it. It's really fucking weird. Well, okay. If you like him. But. Uh, well, I do. Um, I would like to see him do something serious. Uh, I think he probably has done a serious role at some point. He has done serious stuff. Um, I, w- I w- 
I I could probably fathom seeing him or Nick Offerman. I think Nick Offerman would do a good job of you too. Because Nick Offerman has kind of that. I mean, he's expressive in his face, but not so gay Ron Swanson in, a lot. Right. Gay so, Ron Swanson in uh, The Last of Us. What? <laughs> the, I have no idea what you just oh, said. Baskets. Baskets. That's the show where he plays a clown. Oh, oh OK. You would probably like that show. What what the fuck is Baskets? It's a show where he plays a clown. He's a classically trained cl- trained clown. He learned in French clown college. And uh, he was trying. He let's see. He flunked out of French clown college because he didn't know French. What in any of that description makes you think <laughs> I would like that? <laughs> what what of that description? Because it's it's funny in a really weird way. Okay. Um, I don't know. Louis C.K. is in it. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, Jonathan Chris Chrysler. I don't know who that yeah. is. Um, so getting back on Louis Anderson plays his mom. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Louis Anderson plays his mother in that right. show. He plays a woman and he doesn't even try to act like a woman, uh-huh. which makes it funnier. He's wearing like dresses and he's got a wig on with long hair, but he just talks with his normal Louis Anderson voice. Right. He's like, hey, son, why are you a clown? Uh, I, I just thought of something when it came to representation, because um, I get why people want to have it and stuff like that, because they want to see people like themselves achieve well or do well or or just want to see stories based around people that look like them and stuff. I've never been a person who watched a story where that was like that got me more into the story. It depends. I think I sometimes it has if there's something about the character that I find super relatable. But at the same time, like if there's a character that I think is a compelling character and it's just a good story. I'll still enjoy it the same way. Um, right. It doesn't matter if the lead character is nothing like me. That could be a black right. woman as the lead right. character. And I probably have nothing in common with that person. But if the story is entertaining, right. it's like, well, and also it's a human being, yeah. right? There's something we can connect with because they're a human being, right? Going through a situation, going through something. I think we can connect that way. And I think a lot of the times people forget that. I think that's a little lost when it comes to this push for representation and things is we forget that the other person we're watching, regardless of the way they look, uh, their background, whatnot, they're still a human being. And so there's still something that we can all relate to. And I think we get lost in our labels. We get lost in our identifiers in that because these are still people. Um, I mean, to give to give kind of an example, uh, and this is something that Ian uh, asked me once upon a time because I really enjoyed watching uh, Best Man. Do you know the movie? No. Uh, it's a group of African-American friends and uh, uh, they're getting, the one's getting married. Uh, and all of these friends are together and it's about them knowing each other for a really long time and some situations that happened along the way. And like Tate Diggs is in it. Uh, Terrence Howard is in it. I always, um, Chestnut is uh, Morris Chestnut, I think his name is. No, I could be wrong on his first name, but Chestnut is his last name. He's in it. Um, and then, oh my God, I always forget the fourth guy, even though I'm a really big fan of him as an actor, but I never remember his name. <coughs> he was also in Oz. But anyway, the four of them as friends, and then there are the, there are the female characters in it as well, um, who off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of any of them, although they were all amazing actors. And have done a lot of stuff, but I can't remember any of their fucking names. Jesus. Anyway, so I once told, uh, told Ian that I'd watch that movie. And he was like, well, 
I mean, it's a bunch of African-American males. Like, did you like the movie? And I was like, yeah, it's a really good movie. It was really well written. It was well acted. I really liked the director for it. I think he's also the writer to it. I don't remember 100%. But, like, he would ask me stuff about, like, that movie. Like, could you identify with the characters? And, yeah, could I identify with how they grew up or or dealing with racism or discrimination in their life and all that kind of stuff? No. Yeah, I mean, I really related to Boys in the Hood. That was that was my wow wow. <laughs> but like kidding. I have seen that movie though, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, that was but, a good movie. But like I watch I watch movies because it's humans and it's human experience, right? Like, yeah. I mean, so I, I really think, I really re- connected with American History X. Oh, I mean, that really wow touched me. In a just because you're racist. <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> but uh, no, it's because you love curb stomping. Uh, no. Um, I don't know, like the whole thing about represent, and maybe it's because I'm a white male in this society. Maybe that's why I don't necessarily get the representation thing as much. But I will say, even being autistic, like I'm, I'm not as hard up to see autistic characters because, for one, I, I can't imagine. I'm not a great writer, so but I can't Listen, imagine somebody's going to create this great, wonderful story there, of like five autistic friends. I just remembered actually, there was a film with a character that's exactly like you. Uh huh. It's called I Am Sam. Oh. Oh. <laughs> wow. I just, I, as you were saying it, like that's the movie that came to mind. I Am wow. Sam. We didn't talk about that. Wow. Is he supposed to be autistic or is he retarded? I don't know. He probably am. So I looked up a, a or, list or of. Or DD as it's properly well, nowadays. Because I, I looked up. delayed. I looked up a list of autistic characters in movies yeah. and it's listed Sean Penn. It says, story of an autistic man living independently and functioning well in the real world until his life changes drastically when he becomes a father okay. and is left to care for. The said he's supposed to be autistic. Okay. So, well, I is. mean, his character seemed kind of more, more, more needy than we are. Well, I mean, I thought his character was mentally retarded. I didn't know he was. Man. I didn't know he was like, I autistic. Get, I get but. we use that word at times. Sorry. But like, I thought his character was DD. Yeah, but, there you go. Um. I mean, I guess he could, the character could be autistic, but then again, it's Sean Penn. So he maybe doesn't know what it's like to be autistic. So I, he may or may not be. Um, but do you think that's a good movie? I, I thought it was a great movie. I mean, Sean Penn's an amazing actor. Uh, I thought it was a great. Movie. Wait a I minute. This well-written. list also says that Gilbert Grape's brother is autistic. He's not autistic. I thought he was MR too. What? Um, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Right. Uh, Arnie. He's autistic. I thought he was MR too. Yeah. No, he's autistic. Oh. Leonardo DiCaprio plays an autistic kid. Oh, I thought he was supposed to be MR. Uh, years ago, I thought that too, but I've read a bunch of stuff since then. And no, he's just on a different part of the spectrum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, have you ever have you ever watched Johnny Depp? And this is kind of a side note, but not really. Have you ever watched Johnny Depp in interviews and thought, huh? Yeah, you're autistic. No. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about like his facial expressions and something about the way he talks and sometimes how he like. I don't know, seems to be in his own little headspace during interviews. That kind of makes me think he could be. I know there's a lot of um, actors that people think might be or are, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Is there anybody who's openly autistic? Um, That's an actor? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Let's I thought Bill Murray at one point said he was uh, on the spectrum. I yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. And also why people think he's an asshole. Well, yeah, there's that too. Dan Aykroyd, it says, is. Oh, yeah? D- Daryl Hannah, <clears throat> Anthony Hopkins, Woody Allen, Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if I believe that. Uh, well, I mean, I can definitely understand the Anthony Hopkins. It says he believes he is, mm. but he hasn't had a medical diagnosis. Mm. 
Well, hell, uh, self-diagnosis is valid for our people. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, it says that he's not. So I don't know why he came up on the list. David Byrne. That one kind of makes sense. David Byrne? Yeah. Uh, which one is David Byrne? He's from The Talking Heads. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lead singer of Talking Heads. Yeah. Oh, I could definitely see that. Um, Stallone? I don't what? know if I can see that one. Although, let, let me say this, though. As we're saying that we can see it or not, whether we believe it or not, it doesn't matter whether they believe it or not is actually probably more important. Um, I, Tim, I wanna, Bur- Tim Burton, it says. Something, something, but Tim Burton would make sense to me if you've ever heard about the way that he directs and the yeah. way. So I could see it there. The right. way people describe him, yeah, it seems like he might have some of those traits. But uh-huh. who knows? But he's not an actor; he's a director. Oh, well, still, he's in entertainment. But uh, some of the people who worked with him have actually liked his attention to detail. Yes, he gets like hyper fixated on specific details yes. in his movies that he wants a certain way. So that to me says maybe, but mm-hmm. who knows? You don't have to be autistic to get fixated on something, right? But I don't know. So before we before we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to mention that a lot of the things that you were talking about and concerned about as far as like um, representation and being in movies or being able to act in, in groups and all that stuff. Right. I just want to let everyone listening know that this will no longer be a problem for Nick <laughs> soon. Um, I'm happy to say <laughs> that it has now been going on about a month since I gave Nick my autistic elixir, the cure, <laughs> the anti-MMR, if you will. Um, and uh, wow. the results have been astounding. I mean, they speak for themselves. Nick is getting less fixated on things. He's having less meltdowns. His sensory issues are pretty much gone. Um, his intelligence has decreased quite a bit, but he's much more pleasant to be around. And I can say... Maybe within the next six months, we will be able to distribute the cure to everyone. And I just wanted to let everyone know. Wow. Every episode, huh? Yeah. Uh, so it's not a joke. It's it's reality. Yeah, that's it. We're going to distribute it. Uh, I was going to have Tucker Carlson take care of the distribution for me. <laughs> but now that he's not with Fox News anymore, oh I'm going to have to find someone else to distribute it for me. So... He was going to advertise so, it on his show for us. So now, now that we've had that update, um, so that that kind of concludes our episode today of uh, representation. If you like something we said, give us a comment. If you dislike something we said, you want to argue about something uh, we said, feel free. Comment. Uh, tell us who your favorite us. autistic character yeah, is. Yeah, tell us who your favorite autistic character is. Tell us what kind of representation of autism you want to see. As well as if there's anything else you want to talk about or there's another topic you want us to cover, drop us a line. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Also, uh, if you can listen to us, I know most people have their own preferences of where to listen to us on for podcasts, but try to go to Spotify. Just saying. Um, Also, feel free to DM us if you want the recipe for the tincture. (laughs) I will be distributing. For your autism cure. That's right. Um, I, there's been several mothers who have contacted me already, and they're 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 claiming excellent results. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, all right. Thank you very much. We will talk to you at another time. <laughs>